Good evening, everyone. If you would, please open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 33, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, excuse me, Song of Song, Isaiah and Jeremiah. To the book of Isaiah. Thank you all who are able to return tonight. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedules to come back and to worship with us tonight. <clears throat> it's a blessing to be here, to be here together, um, and we do serve a merciful God. The book of Isaiah was written to, to call the nation of Judah back to God and to inform them, to inform the people of God's salvation through the Messiah. Isaiah, son of Amos, was a prophet, a special representative of God. He lived during the time of about 600 to 700 BC in Jerusalem and was well liked and respected at the beginning of his ministry. We're going to get to Isaiah chapter 33, if you care to turn there, Isaiah chapter 33. However, in his 60 years of ministry, he soon became an unpopular prophet because of his message of truth. As God's special messenger to Judah, Isaiah witnessed up to four to five kings in his time of prophecy. In the first 39 chapters, God uses Isaiah to warn of punishment to Israel, to Judah, and to other surrounding nations for faithless immorality and idolatry. True faith had degenerated into national pride and empty religious rituals. Isaiah's message and warnings were intended to purify the people of that time by helping them to understand the true nature of God. However, the people ignored warning after warning, message after message. It is in chapter 40, though, and following that we see Isaiah uh, see Isaiah that brings a message of forgiveness, a message of comfort, and a message of hope. This message of hope looks for the coming of the Messiah. Isaiah speaks more about the Messiah than does any other Old Testament prophet. He describes the Messiah as both in Isaiah chapter 53, a sovereign Lord and a suffering servant. We see a message throughout Isaiah about returning to God, repenting, being renewed and being reconciled, of being redeemed and of rejoicing in the Lord. We must be a people. We must be a church that is looking for what I call opportunities for reconciliation. Look at what Paul told us in 2 Corinthians, if you would, turn over. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. The Bible tells us, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We must watch ourselves and help others in the journey that they walk. 
Isaiah not only teaches us about the Godhead, the Messiah, it gives us great insight into the Spirit. In chapter 11, verse 2, Isaiah proclaims, The Spirit of the Lord brings wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and fear of the Lord. In chapter 32, verse 15, The Spirit of the Lord brings abundance. In chapter 34, verse 16, the spirit of the Lord brings about truth and carries out God's word. In chapter 40, verse 13, the spirit of the Lord is the master counselor. In chapter 42, verse 1, the Messiah, God's servant, will be given the spirit. In 44, chapter 44, verse 3 through 5, through the spirit, God's true children will thrive. In chapter 48, verse 16, the Spirit of the Lord sent Isaiah to prophesy. And in chapter 63, verse 14, the Bible tells us the Spirit of the Lord gives rest. So we see Isaiah has a great deal to say about the Father, about the Messiah, and about the Spirit. We see Isaiah has a great deal to say about being reconciled to our Heavenly Father, which leads us to our scripture this evening. In Isaiah chapter 33, if you would please turn with me. Isaiah chapter 33. In chapters 32 and 33, Isaiah gives us a picture, a scene of distress, a scene of utter destruction, a scene where fortresses are abandoned, highways are deserted. It is in chapter 33, verse 6, that Isaiah says some of the most profound words in his book. And it reads, he will be the sure foundation of your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Another translation of the scripture says, he will be the stability of your times. You see, it's in Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 1 where we see this context of Distress. Look in verse, in verse 1 of chapter 33. Woe to you, O destroyer. You who have not been destroyed, woe to you, O traitor. You who have not been betrayed. When you stop destroying, you will be destroyed. And when you stop betraying, you will be de uh, betrayed. So who is this O destroyer? This O destroyer in chapter, in chapter 33, verse 1, is the Assyrians. If you go down and look at verse, verse 8... Of 33, it says the highways are deserted. No travelers are on the roads. And then it goes on to say the treaty is broken. Its witnesses are despised. No one is respected. So what had the Assyrians done? They had broke the peace treaty. They had broke their promises. But then in verse 2, the Bible says, O Lord, be gracious to us. Who's us? We long for you, be our strength every morning, our salvation in time of distress. 
us is the righteous remnant. Those that were there left few in number, but they were the righteous, waiting on God to deliver them. Verse 3, at the thunder of your voice, the peoples flee. When you rise up, the nations scatter. Your plunder, O nations, is harvested as by young locusts. Like a swarm of locusts, men pounce on it. Verse 5, the Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. And we come to our verse, verse 6. He will be your stability, the stability of your times. If you go over and look in verses 13 and 14, you see another profound set of questions that are raised here. Verse 13, you who are far away, hear what I have done. You who are near, acknowledge my power. Verse 14, the sinners in Zion are terrified. Trembling grips of godless. Who of us can dwell with the consuming fire? Who of us can dwell with everlasting burning? If you remember the story over in Daniel of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when you look at this question of who of us can dwell with the consuming fire, who of us can dwell with everlasting burning, if you find yourself outside of Christ, the answer is you cannot. If you find yourself in his blood, the answer is God will save you. Just in the days of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It leaves for us a very profound question. Each of us have to answer ourselves. In verse 15 of chapter 33, Isaiah goes on to say, he who walks righteously and speaks what is right, who rejects gain for extortion and keeps his hand from accepting bribes, who, step, who stops his ears against plots of murder and shuts his eyes against con con contemplating evil. This is the man who will dwell on the heights whose refuge will be the mountain fortress. His bread will be supplied and water will not fail him. Why? Because God will supply. In verse 17, your eyes will see the king in his beauty and view a land that stretches afar. In verse 18, in your thoughts you will ponder the former terror. Go on down in verse 20. And Isaiah tells us, look upon Zion, the city of, your, of our festivals, your eyes will see Jerusalem, a peaceful abode, a tent that will not be moved. It shakes, will never be pulled up. Its stakes will never be pulled up, nor any of its ropes broken. Verse 21, there the Lord will be our mighty one. It will be like a place of broad rivers and streams. No galley with oars will ride them. No mighty ship will sail them, for the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. It is he who will save us. And so in this time, this time of destruction and this time of disaster in Judah, 
we see a remnant of God's people glorifying him. It's a challenge to us to live a life of faith and not a life of fear. All around us today, we'll wake up, I think the election's on November 8th, is that correct? We will wake up on November 9th. And what will we say? Will we live a life of faith? Will God be our stability? Because it says here in verse 6, he will be the sure stability of your times. Do you believe that? No matter what happens in our political structure, no matter what happens across all the many different facets of our lives, do we believe that even if we get thrown in the fire, that God will save us? Even if he doesn't physically save us, that takes great faith. It took great faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this was said nearly 150 to near 200 years before in Isaiah's time. Do we believe that? We pray for a lot of things in life. But if God's answer is no, it's not in his will, do we still have the faith to know that God is the stability of our time? That's the question for us tonight. And so I leave you with two scriptures. Turn back with me in Isaiah chapter 6. Because in Isaiah chapter 6, it gives us two things, two major mega themes that I want us to leave with tonight. In chapter 6, verse 1, this was Isaiah's commissioning. We have been commissioned as his children as well. In verse 1 of chapter 6, it says, In the year of King Uzziah died, that the king of Uzziah, that, that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seat, seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Verse 2, above him were seraphs, each with six rings, wings, excuse me. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they called to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of glory. Verse 4. At the sound of their voices, the, door, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with, sm with smoke. Verse 5. Woe to me, this is Isaiah in his vision. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I have lived among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. Verse 7, with it he touched his mouth and said, see this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who shall I send where? Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, Isaiah said these words, Here I am. 
send me. Lesson number one, this teaches us an attitude of recognizing that, our, uh, that his, own sinf- his own sinfulness before God must encourage us to confess our sins today. Point number one. The second point is that God has commissioned each and every one of us to go out and to help others come to see the gospel. In this particular case, Isaiah couldn't help himself but to say, here I am, send me. And so the final scripture, if you would, turn back just one couple of several verses in verse in chapter one. Chapter one and starting in verse 18. God can 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 turn around anyone's life. And we know that if we submit to God, God will cleanse us. He will save us. In verse 18, the Bible says of chapter one, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The message is yours tonight. If there's a need in any way for us to help you in prayer or in anything that you may need, please come in faith and repentance and confession. And if it's your need to be baptized, please come as we together stand and sing.